When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hopwoody Dawson, Papa I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? Welcome along, it's a uh, history box, and um, we're, it's the second part of us looking at the first uh, ever issue of Loaded Magazine, dated May 1994. We've both said before this was a life-changing publication for us. Yeah. It was the first time we'd seen a magazine... Um, that was that felt as if it was written um, for us. Um, it was inclusive, we wasn't it? It was very inclusive. Yeah, there was just just stuff in there you just wanted to read, just about stuff that you wouldn't have read anywhere else. Because I mean, <clears throat> we talked about the other men's magazines that were around at the time, but what I was reading primarily would have been the music papers, mm. NME, Melody Maker, and they did have some kind of non-music content in. They would occasionally mm. have stuff about films and books and things like that um, but you rarely got interviews with, with anybody that wasn't musical so it was kind of a bit um, yeah I mean they were quite funny I sort of always perhaps wrongly I was never like big enemy like subscriber or anything because I kind of associated it with like earnest indie music which was wrong because yeah. it was much more widespread than that but the kind it of it wasn't kid, that much more widespread really than that, oh, I don't know fair. well like, I used to see the kids like my sixth really the kids sick dorm college and stuff like that would always yeah. like be quite grumpy indie fans with it and the, yeah. and so I thought oh there's not going to be much laughs in that so but I did buy like the face and mm. occasionally other bits and bobs but there, as far as I could see there was magazines which had cool things in and then there was viz that was funny and TV mm. shows that were funny but there was no magazine like a proper glossy magazine that was just its sort of outlook on everything, whether that be like day-to-day life or any of the stuff they covered in the styles mag, the style mags, everything would be addressed with a daft humour, which is yeah. precisely what I, my mates, and most lads all over Britain did. When you were young, anything you discussed, including football, like so even football, you turn on football... And in those days, it was like Des Lynham, fine. Everyone liked Des Lynham, right? He was probably the best of the bunch in that era. But it was still treated very seriously. Whereas we'd watch Match of the Day, right? Or any of these other football shows. And just be like, when you talk to your mates about football, you're not that serious. I mean, kids today, they probably are because they love all the uh, XGs and all that sort of nonsense, don't they? But we never talked about football in a particularly serious way. We were taking the piss and being daft and talking about 
players' fucking haircuts or their strange well, behaviour. We've always said the football itself is the least interesting thing about football, and that's yeah. why this football podcast doesn't fucking have any fucking football in it, really. Yeah, the thing is about uh, Loaded, reading it again, I just realised that they just said, we'll cover, we'd, you know, some of the stuff they were covering hadn't been covered before. But what was interesting was they covered a lot of the stuff that was already getting covered elsewhere, but they just did it through the prism of just being stupid and funny, mm. which is what every single young man did, you yeah. know, including music, I suppose. I don't know. I didn't have many late night earnest conversations about records with people. I loved music and so did all my mates. I mean, but, if I wanted to like read an interview with like comedians that I was into, yeah. like for example, like Bill Hicks or somebody like that, yeah, you'd have to like get the Observer or the Guardian. Yeah, and it'd be some arsehole right in it. Actually, to be fair, sometimes they would be in NME. They'd have comedians who were kind of a bit edgier and a bit more hip. But I mean, it, football as well. Four four two didn't launch till later in ninety four. So that was another thing that kind of came off the back. And of goal, Paul Hawksby did goal ninety goal minutes, looked, and then goal didn't he? Yeah, ninety minutes started up in nineteen ninety one, I think. So that's okay, well, quite, that was very that was funny. That was a bit ahead of its time, yeah. It was, yeah. In that yeah, sense, yeah. I got to say though, you're talking about the Guardian stuff. In those days, like all the Guardian writers or writers in the Independent, which would have been the only other sort of liberal leaning kind of youngish like broadsheet newspaper, and I used to read them both, and mainly just read the football, to be honest. But it was, again, it was earnest, serious. Everything was extremely analytical, very, like, political. They couldn't write anything without being political. And I have to say that, you know, my career as a a journalist wouldn't have probably, like, got anywhere had it not been for Loaded, in a way. Because it's like, because of what... Because Loaded was so popular and successful, the newspapers all started copying it. So all these kind Mm. of pop-cultural sections became there was more of a lightness of touch and they dropped a lot of the earnestness and they became sort of like funny and personable because they saw the way that loaded had done that with a certain amount of like intelligence underpinning it yeah it's the only fucking reason i ever got employed by the guardian was because by that i wouldn't have in the preloaded in the 80s or 90s a bloke like me or like you wouldn't have got it because they wouldn't the humor wouldn't have been enough you would have had to have been much more fucking earnest and analytical than I would have ever had the capability of being. Do you know what I mean? So basically what yeah. they did was reintroduce just being funny as a legitimate fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, like, um, like you say, you wouldn't be here. Neither of us would be here now if it no, wasn't for Lord. That's where we'd be. No, I'd, I think I'd, that's I'd started, true, actually. I think that's really I'd, true. I'd started writing for the NME in 95, I think it was, for the Thrills page, which was the funny page. So yeah. I was writing spoof stories about pop stars for the for the enemy, and then about three years later, I think it was, I started writing for Lauded, and it was doing similar stuff. It was spoof adverts and made up shit. Um, and if Lauded didn't exist, there wouldn't have been an outlet for that. Yeah. And I remember one of the first things that I did was uh, a, a full page advert for an event which was advertised as lesbian monster trucks <laughs> because it was like what do, what do men like to watch most of all A, lesbians monster and B, trucks yeah. monster trucks yeah, combine yeah. the two things together not lesbian put that in your imagination truck. lesbian monster trucks that was the first thing I did for Loaded I, I hardly um, ever did anything for Loaded I worked in the same building as them upstairs on a different mag and there was a little bit of a kind of a like there is amongst men's mags kind of 
you know, sneering resentment. But I don't <laughs> think work both ways. I think they probably thought, who are these new cunts? And mm. I don't know what I thought. I, just, I loved Loaded, although by the time I was there, James had gone and it did become quite different over time. Mm. Uh, but uh, when I was freelance once, I got an interview with a guy who were, had been a mercenary, right? And oh, I yeah. can't remember where it, what it war he'd fought in, but some war out in Southeast Asia, some little known kind of guerrilla skirmish against the government. And he he was a former like Marine or something like that. He was, he was English, right? He was a scouser. And he had a book coming out and the publisher said, you want to interview him? And I pitched it to load. They said, yeah, go and interview him. So I went and interviewed him um, at, at a local pub on a Saturday night. I managed to convince him to come to my local power play right and he was a nice bloke that he'd he'd obviously seen things and i would assume done things that that cannot be unseen or undone and that much was obvious just by looking into his eyes andy and we had a few beers together in this pub and he was like ah they come on you're on expenses get get them in and once we got to about the fourth pint, it was Saturday night, and I had to make my excuses because I thought, at the end of the day, this bloke seems all right, but he's done all sorts of fucking mad things, and we're on four pints. Once we get to the fifth, anything could happen here. Um, mm. And I've been in rooms and drinking alcohol with men of danger before in the course of work and seen how it can turn very quickly. So I made my excuses and left. And then I wrote the piece up, I can't remember it being a particularly like remarkable piece, but Loaded took it, and they the opening spread. They decided to make a joke about the fact that this guy was Liverpudlian, right? So this guy had had a fascinating life, you know, a difficult childhood, led him into the military, then he'd left the military, and then he'd gone and just been a fucking soldier of fortune, right? Mm. That is an amazing story. But whoever was in charge of laying this spread out had done uh, a picture of like a, 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 a sort of a military vehicle r- rushing through the desert. And the headline had something along the lines of, uh, watch out, I'll have your hubcaps off of that. Right. And then, yeah. the, and then the subhead was something like the Scouser who went to war or something. Right. And it was all like a load of like daft, trite jokes about right. Liverpudlian stereotypes, which, of course, is something... That you and I would never indulge in on this never podcast. Stoop to that level, of right. course not. And uh, well, he and I had nothing to do with this. I didn't really know any of the guys at the time. I just submitted the copy, and that was it. He weren't happy. And who got okay. the blame? Old Sammy boy here, Old Muggins. Nifty. Yeah. So this fucking ki- trained killer, killer for hire, right? Yeah. Who didn't know my exact address, but knew pretty roughly where pretty closely where i lived because he knew that i'd met him at my local pub mm, right shit he was he on the, had bl- the technical skills to be able to find oh, out where you lived can you imagine? it wouldn't have been difficult to track i mean when you think of the things he'd done tracking yeah, down exactly. some fucking <laughs> lad mag journalist, journalist somewhere in west london a callow youth a callow scribe <laughs> <laughs> in london's notting hill he was like i'm not happy about this sam and I was I'm like, shut I'm, not, your house. I'm not surprised you're not happy. I'm not happy either. Don't give me that, son. You knew what you were doing, all this scout stuff. And I said, I am, I am appalled. I very quickly got in that my grandmother was a scouser. He's a scouser, <laughs> still alive. I thought maybe I'm going to have to activate my granny. 
Yeah, her along. <laughs> along. She would have actually been quite good with him. Right, she was in a home then. Listen, Nan. <laughs> no, it's not funny. I've got a scouse soldier of fortune on my trail here. <laughs> I had to really talk him around. In, uh, in the end, I contacted the mag and I said, look, you've got to send him a message, make amends because he's not happy. And I tell you what, I'm not going to get a fucking kick in for it. Mm. And it was stupid, wasn't it? So I don't think in this early era of Loaded they would have done something as trite as that, to be honest. This is years later. Maybe, years maybe, after maybe its golden age. Maybe, maybe they would have done I don't know. I don't mm. know. Um, let's not pretend it was some kind of bastion of fucking... Political correctness. No, but I, I, I think... I, one thing I would say is it was never obvious. Yeah, like to me, that's that's yeah. an obvious thing. Yeah, it did. Like, go, it if, did if, you, if you look at yeah. Loaded here, right, everything. Well, what they what they often did. I'm reading James Brown's book about it. He still seems quite pleased about this. Is they did awful puns for the headlines, really awful yeah. puns. You were much more likely to see an awful sub dad level pun than you mm. were to see a racial stereotype because they're all liberal guys, right? They're all sort of left wing woke guys for the yeah. time. I mean, obviously we're talking the mid nineties, so that didn't mean much in today's context, <laughs> but one thing they would do is never do the obvious thing. And that's the crime there with a joke about Scousers. It's not that it's like, it's not just, that it's like offensive or polit- politically incorrect. It's the fact that it's obvious, isn't it? Mm. Scouser nicking um, your hubcaps. It's just an obvious I mean, guy. It is. It is almost the agenda on page three is James's, um, you know, editor's letter. Mm. And he says, what fresh lunacy is this? Loaded is a new magazine dedicated to life, liberty and the pursuit of sex, drink, football and less serious matters. Loaded is music, film, relationships, humour, travel, sport, hard news and popular culture. I mean, fucking there just just says fucking, you know, injected into me veins. Um, loaded as clubbing, drinking, eating, playing and living. Loaded as for the man who believes he can do anything if only he wasn't hungover. <laughs> uh, the first issue ranges from Gary Oldman to gun running, from Withnail to Wonder Bras, from skydiving to hotel sex, from Eric Cantona to Vic Reeves. In future issues, we'll be going on the rampage in Spain and Africa, interviewing Reservoir <laughs> Dogs' Michael Ears Madsen and getting down with the England cricket squad. Failing that, we'll just get pissed and copy it out of American mags like everyone else. Ah! I love that. I love that. So we hope you enjoy it. As Phil Linnett so wisely said, the boys are back in town. Well, and, it's uh, pretty confident. I mean, fucking hell. When, you know, I've launched magazines on more than one occasion, and Jesus Christ, the first issue in comparison to any magazine I've worked on has, re- like, the editor's letter, with all respect to the great editors I've worked with, has often been, it feels like the uh, focus group results being written down, right? Because yeah. what you do is you take all the shit that, that the research department have found in focus groups and you basically regurgitate that back to the reader. And the problem mm. with that way of creating things, I think, is that you never give anyone anything surprising, right? Yeah. Because what you're doing is asking normal people, right ordinary punters what they like and what they think they tell you and then you give it back to them right yeah well there's a reason why they're just ordinary punters (laughs) right magazines yeah they're they're brilliant at other things but not at making magazines right and so too many of these things you see it in tv radio every every creative endeavor i don't know if it's still the same now because obviously you know we've rendered ourselves unemployable and therefore do this but you know Everything for in that era was like research, 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 give the people what they want, which means everything was pretty broad and bland, right? Mm. That as an editor's letter, fuck me, issue one, 
you're basically saying, this is a load of old bollocks. We're going to do what the fuck we want. Take it or leave it, cunts. Yeah. Fucking love that. And there again, that's the that's what goes throughout this podcast as well. Yes, that's the, absolutely. The, the but but I mean, we, they we, were doing we get, it for we get, a big corporate. We get communications from people regularly who say, here's a thing I've seen. You should deep dive this. And God bless you, but 99% of the time they're completely inappropriate or unsuitable or just not very good. Or like um, it's something that's just been like, you know, what about that? Who's what's his name? You know, don't talk to me about sharks. I fucking punch one in the nose. Oh, oh Paul. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. I've forgotten his name now. How many times have we been sent that clip over the years? Well, A exactly. million? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been kind of done to death, hasn't it? But, mm. you know. Um, Paul Sykes. Paul anyway, Sykes, no, I mean, him. the thing is, they were working go for a big... Go watch it. Co- if you've never heard of Paul Sykes, go watch it. Go watch it. Yeah, really we're, there's, we've got nothing to add to it. <clears throat> no, it's all, it's all there. Jalapeño. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jalapeño. Um, I think that what they were doing was they were doing it inside IPC magazines, which, as I know, haven't worked there for years, is extremely controlling uh, process-driven, fairly sort of suffocating corporate entity, right? Mm. Where everything did have to be done by the book. And yet they very often had mavericks working in there who they would either try to control or, and if they couldn't, they'd boot them out, right? And uh, for them to have got away with this under the noses of that, and actually, when you read James's book, what you realise is they resented it because what he did was he took every single process that they'd established for creating magazines and he ripped it all up, did it his own way, the opposite mm. of what they thought should be done. Mm. And it was more successful than any other magazine they'd ever launched. And that really fucked them off. And so they and, were annoyed rather than proud. Yeah. And they couldn't and, do anything about it because it was so fucking popular. It was raking the money in. Exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. But what's interesting is, is when he went back to them and was sort of like, listen, I've <clears> made a huge fucking success to you here. It has made you millions of pounds. This is a cultural phenomena. I want some money. No. All right, I want a pay rise and so does the staff. No, you're not getting anything. And it was almost like they wanted to push him out because yeah. that more important to a lot, and I've seen this in other corporate entities in the media I've worked in and IPC to an extent, is that like basically more important to the individuals at the top 
than success is their ability to control people. The power, yeah. Control is a huge fucking thing. It's a mental health problem in in business. People in business, in in companies, they love control. They love control more than success. And so, therefore, if you achieve success, but you've done it outside of their control, they're usually not that happy. And Mm. they will try and drive you out because it will make them look bad. Do you know what I mean? And and this, James's book is is a good sort of example of that, one of the biggest examples. People love control in all kinds of relationships, in actual relationships. Yeah. And it's it's becoming now, it's becoming recognised as being a toxic thing. And now you've got people who are being charged in the courts because of coercive control, because they're yeah. fucking... It, like I said, it's a drug. Imagine it's, the, it's the really, years it's really, gone on for in relationships. It's like, yeah. it is, it's a good thing that it's become, that coercive control has become this phrase that we recognise and understand now. Do you mm. know what I mean? Um, and also, you know, sometimes... Look, we, we've all got it in us. I think everyone's got it in us. I mean, you don't have to be a control freak to sometimes sound yourself, whether it was in a working relationship or a personal relationship, to sometimes be trying to sort of, you know, you push, not push, but kind of get someone to do your bidding and uh, until you stop and think, but why? Why is it important to me? Why is it important yeah. to me that they do what I want them to do? Why is that mm. important? Where is that coming from? And usually you can then back off and think, think to yourself, the age-old, brilliant callback phrase for anyone is, maybe I'm the cunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you should always be asking yourself in any situation. Well, the, Am I the cunt here? Well, there's a, there's a, I've told you this before, but there's a bloke who's like regarded as the godfather of modern advertising, this sort of bloke they all look up to from New York in the 50s called right. B- Bill Burnback. And he's a really interesting character who sort of invented modern kind of humorous... Uh, ab- like conversational advertising, uh, and and he went round with a little bit of paper in his pocket that just said maybe he's right. That's all it said, right? And yeah. it just whenever he was found himself getting a bit too controlling or arrogant or just wanting to win the argument just for the sake of winning it, which is what something I think everyone has inside them to one degree or another. He had this little reminder in his pocket: maybe he's right. Yeah, instead yeah. of. Like, Take your yeah. eyes off the, the, the prize of just winning and besting this other person and mm. instead step back and think, well, what's actually the best solution to this problem? Yeah. And uh, I'm, all I'm saying is we've developed that into maybe I'm the cunt. Maybe that's the bit of paper. And in fact, we might start selling those bits of paper on our red bubble for you to carry <laughs> around in your pocket. Maybe I'm the cunt with a little top like time machine logo in the corner. Yeah. We could do them as postcards. I might do that. We could do them as (laughs) T-shirts. Oh, God. Uh, Oh, yeah, everyone needs to listen more, basically. Mm. Um, So straight into the next page, and it's Elizabeth Hurley. It's that that iconic Mm. uh, photo shoot of Elizabeth Hurley, which I think the pictures were bought in, I think you said, in the same style as Amanda Holden. It was exactly, and it was the same photographer. John Stoddart, yeah. It was John Stoddart. So it's, it, it, Amanda yeah. Holden came years after this, about a good six years after yeah. this, five years. Oh. And and so, um, yeah, he pulled to, the stunt twice. I don't know how... It, to be what, fair, no, she, she talks about them in the interview. So it's it's it, they're done. They've oh, been shown with her she, permission, She I was guess. aware of them. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah, she talks about them. She says, absolutely adored doing them. We were in this great hotel and we had the clash blaring out really loud. It was brilliant. Well, fair so place, Elise Hurley. I mean... These are, these really are, this was probably, of all the things in the magazine, when me and my mates 
got stuck into this mag. You know, <laughs> while mind was blown, but really probably the most discussed thing was the fact that you can see her pubes, which yeah. coming out of her knickers. I mean, that yeah, was pretty... Yeah, a really good close look. Still yeah. now. It's still now in today's much more filthy world. It still yeah. seems pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, there's only two pictures. Yeah, but I, it's so memorable. It yeah, being, a whole shoot. I remember it as yeah. being Lord's Mob because I turned the picture to see what's the next bit, and there's another black. The both pictures are black and white. There's another black and white pic on the next page, <laughs> and it's Rod Stewart, and he's he's sort of leering up from behind a table with a big daft grin on his face. My God, I wonder whether that was put there deliberately. Do you know what I mean? They're, th- they're thinking. Yeah, yeah. Going, we'll expect to see more Liz Hurley. We'll give you Rod Stewart instead. Well, ju- ju- uh, just um, one of the things uh, behind the magazine, which again was quite fresh and new, was the idea that they wanted to bring back icons of like the old England sort of thing. Because obviously, you know, during punk and post punk, it was all like all the old icons are dead. We're not interested in anything that went before, you know. Mm. And that was true. When I grew I was introduced to a lot of uh, things from the 70s, right, by this mag. The, I didn't remember the 70s, you know, because I was only born halfway through them. And all of the cultural things, in, in all the pop culture stuff that had influenced me up until this point had been from the 80s or maybe the 60s. But there was, like, all this stuff and people that they were celebrating on the Platinum Rogues page, including Rod Stewart. I thought of Rod Stewart as the bloke that Kenny Everett used to take the piss out of, right? And the only fucking song I knew was Do You Think I'm Sexy or Sailing? And I thought, in in 1995, I thought, fucking Rod Stewart, come off it. He's a load of old rubbish. Or 1994, I should say, right? You thought, fucking hell. Rod Stewart, that's who my mum likes, right? And then they start celebrating all these people whether it's fucking Rod Stewart or all the old actors like Oliver Reed or whatever, people from who were big in the, in the olden days but hadn't been celebrated for ages, they brought that back. And what they also did was unearth a load of old brilliant archive shots like this that no one had used for it, you know, yeah. in years. So it was a whole yeah. new aesthetic in a way. I'll tell you one mm. thing, though, just quickly about James's but I don't want to do too many spoilers, but seeing as Rod Stewart's in there and they made such a big deal out of it, right? James... Quits loaded. It's quite a big story in the media, a very big story in the media. He goes on 12 weeks gardening leave before he joins GQ. During that gardening leave, he does some freelance writing, including interviewing Rod Stewart, I think, for The Times. Uh, Rod Stewart is obviously, by this stage, has very familiar, as everyone was, with Loaded, and a big fan because it had totally, in a way, it had fucking relaunched Rod Stewart's career. Right, because it yeah. had sort of stopped him being a cheesy sort of star from the eighties, mm. and and, be, and reminded people that in the seventies he was cool for a while, right? And he goes, uh, he goes to James, James, what did you leave loaded for? When I read that, I couldn't fucking believe it. What did you leave that for? <laughs> and he goes, well, the new place. He goes, they're paying me like double the money. He said, plus the building I'm working in is just about. 20% blokes, he went, at least half of whom are gay. He said, and, <laughs> and the, he goes, and the entire rest of the staff are just really beautiful posh girls, right? <laughs> and Rod Stewart threw his head back and laughed. He went, ha ha, that's right, my son, you're going to Spunk Towers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Spun. Oh god. That's why he referred. To, that's why he called Condé Nast Publishing. One of oh, the, so that, was that, a, that was what he'd already called it. Yeah, it I, think pre- he, I think he, he, see, he tripped off the tongue yeah. so much that he was fully aware of Condé Nast, yeah. who obviously produced Vogue and Vanity Fair as well as GQ. Right. Yeah, that's right, my Saturn Tatler yeah. and all those posh rags. You're going to Spunk <laughs> Towers. So he immediately. He, I, I always like a man who switches tack. An opinion does a U-turn immediately in a conversation yeah. like that bloke from the fast chase going, you're mad, what did you leave loaded for? Go GQ, that's a load of bollocks, what did you do that for? Because there's loads of girls there. Ha, excellent, you're going to Spunk Towers. <laughs> the title of the ch- in the book, needless to say, the title of that chapter is Spunk Towers. Of course. Of course it is. Fucking <laughs> hell. God, because this is the Platinum Rogues page, of course, the, the top 20. And they're not all stuff that people have done that month. They're kind of introducing the top 20 Platinum Rogues. There's two as well. They've they've just stuck 22 in because it fills the page up. They've mm. given 21 and 22. They've just put bubbling under. It's Leslie Phillips and Peter O'Toole. Is that a, because, that's a design yeah. thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, there's, there's room for more. Um, Rod Stewart's number one. We're not going to throw all of them, but Rod Stewart's number one. And it says, a classic month. This is a topical one. Uh, it's what he's been up to you name it he's done it Rod's in vintage form as the super lad storms to the top of the chart by building a full size football pitch in his own back garden including changing rooms which is like he's legendary for that and it, uh, he's still got it to yeah. this day I think well that um, is just the first time I heard of that and I think everyone did it's a tiny bit of copy tiny tiny like I would say that's like you know six or seven point size font right yeah. and yet that one bit there I never knew that. I never thought Rod Stewart was a laugh or a lad. Didn't know anything about him. And that story has been regurgitated by every bloke for like ever since. 30 years yeah. since, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. But then the best bit, the last line. Also, managed to accidentally buy back his own Lamborghinis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lamborghini singular, not plural. The fucking text that small, can't read it properly. Accidentally <laughs> bought back his own Lamborghini. Brilliant. Well done, Rod. Um, And of course, you know, they're all there. You know, a lot of the characters who we've um, spoken negatively about, you know, the likes of uh, Michael Winner, Hunter Thompson, Ronnie Wood, Dennis Hopper, Oliver Reed, you know, these professional drunks. Well, I think at the time it was different. And you're right. I mean, we've slagged these people off because I I think it's an age thing. By the time you you get age and wisdom and you go through a lot of this shit yourself, trying out all the, uh, um, you know, the the hedonistic way of life and all of that to one degree or another. And you come out the other side and you think, oh, it's so phony. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's really phony. And I actually said at, uh, at the book launch last week, I said to him, during like the q and A, I did. I said, "Fucking hell!" I said, "You make," because he said, "Oh, in the end, all this stuff we were doing landed a lot of us in rehab." I said, "Not just you lot who were working on the mag." I said, "There was loads of us growing up reading it, and you did such a good job of painting a picture of this world as like more glamorous and harmless than it really was that a lot of us ended up in rehab as some indirect result of reading loaded." <laughs> yeah. I said, so it's a fucking irony that I now have interviewed you on my addiction podcast. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Thanks a lot, dickhead. Right. But I think, uh, you know, yeah, we have sort of railed against the sort of legend of the wild man because now we're old and we realise that. But at the time, I mean, fucking hell. The whole point of this mag was, however boring life seems, and to be honest, in the early 90s, 
as I've said before, in like 92, 93, I remember being a bit down in the dumps a lot of the t- time because I felt mm. that my life wasn't quite going the way I wanted it to go in my sort of mid-teens, mm. right? Various different things. I thought, I don't know, I felt a bit frustrated, like I wasn't maybe having enough fun or there was there was something about it that I wasn't like... And what this magazine did with things like Platinum Rogues, I suppose, was its whole ethos was whatever you're doing can be a laugh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All you have to do is just choose choose an attitude. And uh, unfortunately, yeah. the attitude... I mean, fucking hell, Jim Davidson's in this list. Oh, I don't want to fucking find out what No one wants doing. to be like Jim Davidson. No. But um, we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. Um, and next time, we'll look at... Um, page 13 which is again it's something that we've pretty much just nicked for this podcast it's a it's a regular feature called great moments in life yeah which we're now talking about in a series that we call history box and also and we've also just introduced um a get in touch topic which is best bits which again yeah very similar to great moments yeah. in life best bits yeah yeah and the first one that they chose was that classic ronnie radford goal uh, for non-league Hereford United against Newcastle in the FA Cup third round in 1972. So that's that's something 22 years previously. It's not like mm. it's again. It's that thing of looking back and celebrating stuff. That yeah, kind of yeah. Maybe wasn't talked about as much. Um. So yeah, we'll look at that in the next one because we're out of time. But uh, we can look at that properly next time, and lots more. Um. Who knows how long this is going to go on for? We're on page 13. There's 122 pages in the magazine. Okay, thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.